This is going to put Eric Alvarola into the playoffs. If he can make it through turns three and four, he's got lap cars in front. But the lead is a little bit too big for Christopher Bell. Eric Alvarola with the upset at New Hampshire. Yes, 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 yes! <laughs> oh, God. That is awesome. Welcome back to the Full Tank with Phil podcast, the first ever podcast about gambling on NASCAR and does it feel good to be back? What a long three weeks off we had, at least, you know, it's been three weeks since we recorded an episode and the Olympic break just been brutal for a number of different reasons. My Olympic bets have basically all lost except for Xander Shoffley winning the golf for the men's, but other than that, it's just been a rough go, boring Olympics to boot, and um, just in dire need to talk NASCAR racing and gambling on it. So I'm thrilled to be back here, and you know we're going to touch on a number of different things here. We have to take a look back at New Hampshire Motor Speedway. Uh, some craziness that unfolded there. Didn't get a chance to talk about it because it's just been so long. I mean, how long ago does that feel? feels like years ago. Well, we'll talk about Eric Almirola and his victory at New Hampshire, and then get into Watkins Glen. That's why we're here right now. We've got winners that we need to talk about, finishing position bets. That's right, top five, top 10, top 20. And as always, head-to-head matchups that we need to break down because there's some good, good values here that I'm seeing early on with the sports books. And then at the very end, we'll just touch on some news and notes from the NASCAR world, just things that we didn't get a chance to talk about and how it impacts gambling moving forward. But we'll touch on all of the bets ahead of that in case you really don't care about my opinions with that stuff. But the schedule, we got four races left before the playoffs. That is just crazy. And what's even crazier is that they've got two road courses back-to-back. We're going to Watkins Glen, and then next weekend, it's the Indianapolis road course. So that's the first time that I can remember in the history uh, of NASCAR. They're going back-to-back road courses. So if you're a driver out there or you're a fan of a driver out there who is not so good at road courses and you're trying to make it into the playoffs, this is not what you're looking for. Three wild card type races here with both road courses plus Daytona on the schedule here. So, you know, we'll, we'll talk about who we like and why, but you could really argue that Michigan's really the only normal track we have left and some things could get shook up here. So we'll see about that. As far as the podcast is concerned, we've got a couple people out there who will be potentially coming on for the full tank face-off. I think we have some people lined up for the Indianapolis road course and got to check in with my guy for the Daytona race, but we'll uh, look forward to those races here all before the playoffs start. And then, man, all bets are off the sprint to the end of the season. So long layoff, but now we've got 14 straight races to enjoy as the season is starting to wind down here very quickly. It's crazy. So looking back in New Hampshire, Almirola has shocked the world you know, we were all over Almirola last year. I'm a, a fan of him. Had to check in with our guy, Nick. He came on the full tank face-off a few weeks back. And, you know, he's our resident Almirola fan. He was through the rune about this one. Uh, 
crazy because it wasn't a fluke. I mean, he straight up won that race. There are races that are won that, you know, sometimes come to mind. They just kind of fall into a driver's lap and really didn't earn it. Almirola earned every second of that. And, you know, there was some controversy with NASCAR kind of changing it up a little bit. And with the uh, length of the race, if you remember, gosh, it feels just so long ago, but they changed it because darkness was falling and Christopher Bell was closing in. So if they would have gone the full length, would Christopher Bell have won that race and Amarola not have changed the scope of the season? Who knows? But at the end of the day, it doesn't matter, you know, unless you're a Christopher Bell fan. Uh, but very entertaining nonetheless. So good for the 10 team. Who would have thought that Eric Amarola would be the first person to win from Stuart Haas Racing this season? That is just wild to think about. So what does this do? This is a crazy situation now because he's so far outside of the top 16 that really shuffles the standings up who's going to make it we've got two teammates austin dillon and tyler reddick who are separated by five points before they were both pretty comfortably in the playoffs with some you know wiggle room but now it is a cutthroat situation over there i heard tyler reddick on sirius xm radio with an interview about it basically saying like yeah they've got a plan as does the three-team, and they're going to execute it. And they are, at RCR, still confident that both these teams can make it into the playoffs. That is very wishful thinking. Um, so it'll be very interesting to see how these teammates race each other moving forward to you know close out these last four races. It just makes this playoff push much more fun to watch, and you have to take that into consideration when you are placing your bets as well. So... Another thing to consider here with this long layoff, all momentum is lost, right? We've got guys who are really racing very well, and I have a you know, microscope on some of these guys who were hot at the end of this streak that we had that ended at New Hampshire and now getting cooled off by some vacation time. Who's going to come back? Will they be able to keep that momentum going, or are they going to be kind of washed out a little bit and just kind of in auto drive to the playoffs. That is something that I'm really anxious to see. Who is putting in work during this vacation? We're going to find out pretty quickly here at this road course. So New Hampshire, solid race, I guess, because it shook things up. Um, I thought it was you know, more fun to watch than I remember New Hampshire races in the past. I'm glad they're only going there once. It makes it more special when you get results like this. So now we will move forward, though, because it's time to talk about Watkins Glen. We didn't get a chance to go to Watkins Glen last year because of COVID. So they are going back here for the first time since 2019. Wine Country East. It's kind of funny. Before they added all these road courses to the schedule, we had two road courses, both in Wine Country. Sonoma out west and now the East Coast Wine Country, Watkins Glen, more known for the white wine. I can tell you right now, just a sidetrack from gambling. I mean, if you're somebody out there with a significant other and you're looking to kind of swindle your way into a race weekend get a, an airbnb up in that watkins Glen, finger lakes area and and go up there for the weekend you know get your significant other hammered on that saturday take off monday and and while they're recovering on sunday shoot over to the racetrack for the race i mean that is that's a trip that you could easily convince any non-racing fan to be a part of and then jump over to the racetrack on Sunday to watch the race. Just throwing that out there. If you're not familiar with 
the, the East Coast wine country, it's a good spot for uh, couples vacations, little group vacations, whatever, and a good way to, like I said, swindle your way into a, a good race to watch in person. But I digress. Let's take a look at some of the track stats for Watkins Glen because we haven't had a chance to look at them in some time. 37 races total in the history of this racetrack. The winner has started on the pole 10 times, and the last time it happened was somebody we're going to talk about, Chase Elliott, 2019. Yes, the last time we were here, he won from the pole. Top five, the winner starting there, it's happened 24 times. That's 65% of the time. That is much, much higher than we're used to seeing on a weekly basis, track by track, starting within the top 10, 76% of the time. So you're really going to have to try to find some people starting in that top 10 if you want to see some success. And starting outside of the top 20, it never happened. The furthest back anybody's ever started at Watkins Glen was 18th and I'm going to call somebody out that's going to be bucking that trend potentially if they win the race so something to just kind of a little carrot out there to come back to keep you keep you interested manufacturer trend it's been kind of an even split over the last 10 races or so Chevy has won a total of four races the drivers though when you're looking at some of these are, are pretty interesting you have Chase who's won twice then you have Juan Pablo Montoya AJ Allmendinger as a previous winner so just kind of some interesting names there and for Ford they've won three times Marcus Ambrose has a couple wins here as long as well as Joey Logano but Ambrose I mean what a name from the past and it wasn't even that far from the past we're talking the last 10 years 10 races and then the Toyota camp everybody except for Christopher Bell that's active uh, for JGR has a win here at Watkins Glen so those are the stats now when we're talking road courses because they've been here a bunch, we're able to utilize past history at this racetrack as well as road course stats this week. So because we're going to go to a road course next week, we're going to be talking pretty much a lot about the same stats, same guys, I would assume, depending on what happens here at Watkins Glen, unless you know there are some guys that really jump up and, and take control here. But when you hear us breaking down you know, who I like this week... Um, it's going to be a combination of things. You're going to be looking at how they've performed in 2021 on road courses because now we have four races to go off of, a good sample size now, and uh, comparing that to what we've seen at Watkins Glen and, and try to make a good, educated guess on who's going to do well and who's not. So I guess without further ado, we should get right to it, right? Who do we think has a chance to win this weekend and some good odds out there to win the race at Watkins Glen. If you've been listening to this podcast for the year, you know that every time we go to a road course, I've been saying Chase Elliott is where you start with gambling on road course action because he has never once given us a reason not to take him in the previous race. If, Ra if Chase were to go out this race and completely lay an egg and show that maybe he just doesn't have it, then, yeah, tomorrow or, excuse me, next week, I might you know, back off a little bit, but he's not done that so far this year in four races. So he's plus 200. Phil from the past might have just completely looked right past that because those odds are very short when you're talking about winning an NASCAR race, but it makes sense for Chase. I mean, these are the lowest, shortest odds that we've seen all year, but I still think he's worth it 
at this racetrack. In 2019, his performance at Watkins Glen was just like eye-opening. He dominated practice, he won the pole, and then dominated the race, won the race. He has four starts here in his career, two wins back-to-back, 2018 and 2019. His average finish is 7.0, and that those two wins are accompanied by two 13th place finishes. So you could say that he is undefeated driving the nine car. I know that's really just cosmetic uh, when you're looking at the stats, but he's undefeated in the nine car. Can't take that away from him here. His driver rating at this racetrack is first. And, you know, a lot of times when we talk about these stats, driver rating, I'm looking at the last six races. Um, that's just how my data is coming in. It allows me to look at the last six races at this track. It also allows you to zoom in and look at the last four, the last two. So I like to do that to see who's better lately. And when you look at driver rating, last six, he's first. 120.4 is the number. But when you just look at the last two races, it shoots up to 149.3. By the way, a perfect driver rating is 150. So that is unbelievable what we're talking about there. Think about it as like a quarterback rating. Right? How many times have you seen a, a perfect quarterback rating? For reference, in case you didn't know, Tom Brady, arguably the, the greatest of all time, he's only done it three times, and he definitely hasn't done it back-to-back. So think about that. That's how good Chase has been in the last two races, just almost a perfect quarterback rating, back-to-back races at this track. It's truly incredible. Now, you accompany all that, plus the fact in 2021 his average finish is second on the circuit, 6.3. Driver rating is first, 125.5. That's kind of right on line with what we've seen here at Watkins Glen with Chase. Two wins this year, three top 15s. All four finishes are in the top 20. So that's the thing. I mean, he's got this racetrack down pat. And the fact that we've got zero momentum coming from everybody else, at this point, it could just be muscle memory for Chase. That could be an advantage for this team. Just do what you're used to doing at this racetrack. Look at your notes. Do what you feel is right, and you're going to be in victory lane. So plus 200 Chase Elliott in that nine car. It's too ridiculous to pass up. If I skipped over him and he went out and dominated like he's done two races straight, I'd be the village idiot. So I got to take him just as a safety precaution here plus 200. But now we love talking about guys who have better value. So let's talk about someone who, if this guy were to win, he would make history in a way. We're talking about Kyle Busch at plus 750. So much, much better value there than you're getting with Chase Elliott. And if you're looking at Kyle's last 10 races at Watkins Glen, one win, four top fives, eight top tens. That was a little bit surprising to me to see those eight top tens. I you know, don't think of Kyle Bush every time I think of Watkins Glen, but you know, maybe there was one point in time where you probably did. Average finish here compared to everyone else is fifth on the circuit, 8.8. He hasn't won a race since the 2013 season. So it has been a little while since he's been to victory lane, but he has been close. All right. In 2014, he finished dead last. But ever since then, he has been very close, and he's completed every single lap since that dead last finish. So if he's finishing on the lead lap, he's basically finishing the top 10. Four top 10s. That includes a second place finish and a third place finish since that 2014 terrible finish. His driver rating is third compared to everyone at Watkins Glen. 
106.3. That's very interesting to me for guys going off this value. In 2021, Kyle Busch is eighth in average finish, 13.3. And the thing about him is he's improved on each road course start that he's had so far this year. That includes three top 10 finishes. So to start the year at the Daytona road course, he finished 35th, but then it really jumped up. Coda, he finished 10th, where if you remember that rain race at Coda, he was very much in play to win that race. And due to the way the rain shook out and pit stops and rain shortened race, he, he kind of got jumbled back, but he finished 10th there then a fifth place, and then more recently, a third place finish. So if he's going to continue this pattern, the natural next step is a first place finish. So very, very good stuff there. His driver rating in 2021 is also 106.0. So that's the exact same thing that his driver rating is at Watkins Glen. So he's very consistent right now, this year, from what he's used to doing at a road course Watkins Glen. Very weird stat, honestly. So Kyle Busch, now I say he'd make history because he's starting 20th. Nobody has won the race starting further back than 18th. That was Steve Park in 2000. So he'd have to beat that step. But it's a little bit different with these, you know, no qualifying rules. Back when that happened, that was because, you know, guys qualified that far back. Kyle could come off the truck with a fast, fast race car and kind of blow that set out of the water. So very good value here for a solid race car driver at this track and on road courses this year. Kyle Busch plus 750. Lock me in. Now, the last guy I'm going to call out to win the race is his teammate, and he's got even better value, plus 1,100 right now for Denny Hamlin. He's first in the points. That's no surprise. He doesn't have a win. Everybody knows this tired story at this point in the season. You'd have to imagine that if you're looking at the last four races before the playoffs, Daytona is definitely circled on their calendar to try to get a win before the playoffs. But this is a racetrack that I think they might be able to kind of sneak one on everybody. His average finish isn't great because he's had some struggles early in his career. And, you know, if you're looking at the last 10 races, further back in the last 10 years. But the last four races for Denny Hamlin has been very solid. So if you look at the last 10 starts, he has one win, three top fives, three top tens, and that includes a 13th place finish. But in the last four races, three top five finishes. So that tells you something, right? Maybe before he was a little nervous coming here. He's not scared anymore, all right? Something has changed with that driver, with that 11 team at this racetrack. So his average finish, not great, but his driver rating, at Watkins Glen is eighth compared to everyone, 93.9. So that kind of tells you the story of just didn't get the finishes that he deserved during that stretch of rough runs at Watkins Glen. So I like that history in a way because more recently he's showing like I'm a guy that can compete here. In 2021, his average finish on road courses is third compared to everyone, 7.5 average finish. Three top tens out of the four races this year and two of them were top five finishes. His driver rating in 2021 road courses, 6th, 97.8. So he's performing well enough to take a shot on this long odd, plus 1,100. This is your, you know, Hail Mary, I guess. And when I'm laying out all these stats, it really doesn't seem that crazy that he could go out and snag one. I think a lot of people have kind of written him off like, yeah, he's in the playoffs. You know, we'll see Denny and that team 
when we get there, they're still looking for some bonus points because we know bonus points are everything when we get to those playoffs. So I think he's somebody that could definitely shock some people this year at Watkins Glen and snag a race if the people like Chase and the heavy hitters, something happens to them. He's somebody that could be Johnny on the spot, and we want to cash in on those big odds. So just to recap, our three picks to win the race, Chase Elliott plus 200, the standard favorite here. Then you have Kyle Busch right in the middle, plus 750, and our longer odds shot, Denny Hamlin plus 1100. Trex Jr. is going to be aggressive. Denny Hamlin out front. Aggressive goes around. Next up, we have a segment that we're calling the finishing position segment. We used to call this the top 10 in the props area, but a lot of the states across the country, in the DraftKings Sportsbook, as well as a couple others that use the same APIs, are seeing a lot more options now. Top 3, top 5, top 10, and top 20 finishing odds for these drivers. So we're going to try to call some out when we see fit. And I've got some from each one of those. Um, so we'll start with Joey Logano going off at plus 175 to finish in the top five. Now, a lot of these guys, I got four drivers I'm going to call out here in this segment, and a lot of them kind of have the same song and dance. So we'll start with Joey because at Watkins Glen, it has not been nice to Joey in the last three races. But before those three races, if we go back a little bit further, he was really on a hell of a stretch. He had a second place finish, a first place finish, a sixth place finish, and a seventh place finish. Three top fives in the last 10 races when you're looking at Joey Logano, and really that's where they were in that stretch there. So that includes the win. So Joey knows how to get it done. So to see him at plus 175 is, is pretty interesting to finish in the top five. Now, when you look at, you know, those odds, it's really because of what I said. Lately at Watkins Glen, he just hasn't been great. But the thing is, this year on road courses, Logano has been the guy. He has the best average finish out of everyone, 6.0. Up until last race at Road America, Joey was one of a couple people who had a top 10 finish in all races this year on the road course. So he finished 15th in that race, still remains at the top of the heap compared to everyone. That's ahead of Chase Elliott, a guy who has won twice on road courses. Joey has zero wins on road courses this year. That's telling you how consistent he's been. So you're telling me that a guy like that can't finish in the top five. We're getting odds in this section we're not searching for the guys with the really short odds. We're looking for the value, and Joey is giving us value here. His driver rating on road courses this year is fourth best, 105.9. So all of those things are saying, yeah, that's worth a shot at plus 175. Give it to me here. Now, the other thing is, we'll talk about this a little bit later in the news and notes section, if you care to listen to that part of it, but he's the new leader at Penske. Brad's on his way out. Joey Logano is going to have to take the bull by the horns and, and be that leader there. So it's going to be interesting to see, not so much just for this race, but for the rest of the season, how Joey handles that role. With Brad on his way out, you know that he's going to be kind of the captain of that team. So this is a, a race to me that could be a, a tone setter for Joey. So a top five finish would definitely help set that tone for that organization, and we would cash in as well. So there's my pick for a, a top five. Joey, until, you know, kind of like Chase, until he gives us a reason not to, I, I 
have to take them to finish in the top five because they keep giving us good values. The last few road course races, we've seen this kind of same thing from Joey. So, yeah, keep your eyes peeled. Snag it if you can get it. So now we're going to go look for a driver with some decent odds to finish in the top 10. And this is somebody that I never would have predicted, you know, a month, two months, three months ago that I'd be calling out right now. But we're talking about Ross Chastain plus 125 to finish in the top 10. At Watkins Glen, he is not good. He's got bad cup numbers and bad Xfinity numbers. Well, uh, just somebody who just has not figured it out. But he hasn't really had in cup. I mean, he's you know, doesn't have the equipment. And Xfinity, it was a really small sample size. So you might want to just shove that kind of out of the way and focus. The reason why I'm taking Ross is because of his 2021 experience and results that we're getting here from this guy. Because in 2021, he's got the ninth best average finish. Three straight top 10 finishes on road courses. A fourth place, a seventh place, and a seventh place. You know, back to back to back. That is something that has my attention, and I'm not sure if the sports books know it. I think, again, kind of like Joey, they might be looking at Watkins Glen's numbers for Chastain and not really seeing how he's been performing on road courses this year. So there's an opportunity for the gambler to maybe take advantage of these guys. So that's the thing here that I'm focusing on. You don't have much, not much data on Chastain. But the fact is that there's not many guys out there that have three top tens. Nobody has four top tens on road courses in all four of the races this year. And there's not very many that have three. So he's one of them. I got to have my eyes on him. Got to have my money on him as well. And the Trackhouse news, he's signing with Trackhouse next year to drive the one car. You got to figure that's taking some pressure off of this guy. So, hey, all good things if you're you know looking at it from my opinion I like Chastain plus 125, decent value here to finish in the top 10. Now, I've got two guys to talk about when we're saying top 20 finishes. And these are two guys that I think are, dare I say, locks. I mean, I definitely have a lock of the week that I'm saving for the head-to-head section. But I think that these guys are locks as well. But let's talk about Austin Dillon plus 175 right now to finish in the top 20. I think that those odds are going to change a little bit, but four races left in the playoffs. We talked about how he and Tyler Reddick are kind of pinned against each other, separated by five points. He needs points. That's good for us as the gambler. If you're betting on him to finish in the top 20, that's huge because he's going to be trying to drive a a solid technical race. They can't afford a crash and a dead last finish or, you know, anything in the thirties. He needs a solid sound, get through it type of race at Watkins Glen. In his history, he has six starts at the road course up there in New York and one top 20 finish. Yeah, not great, but this year he has three top 20s out of the four races that we've had on road courses. So that's very unlike him. Coming into the season, he was somebody that was horrible historically on road courses, knew that he needed to get better, and definitely did some stuff in the offseason to try to rectify that. And it's showing because he's looking like he has bettered himself on road courses. And the fact is, the sports books just have not caught up to that yet. So, plus 175, I mean, 
they will adjust that come this weekend. There's no doubt in my mind that he'll be shorter odds than that to finish in the top 20, but you're definitely still going to be able to get him, you know, at plus money. His average finish this season on road courses is 17.5. That's 16th on the circuit. So I really like Austin Dillon here. He's about as as far as I'll go, as longest shot as I'll go to finish in the top 20. Because after him, if you're looking at the list, you're getting into some names that, you know, could definitely sneak in, but nobody that I can really paint a picture for and really feel good about putting my money down. So keep your eyes on him. Austin Dillon, he needs points. And I like guys who need points. So I have one other guy here to call out in this segment. And those previous three guys we're kind of the same boat, right? Their Watkins Glen history hasn't been great, but they've been decent this year, so they're worth taking a shot on. This next guy is kind of the whole package, and we're talking about to finish in the top 20. He's plus 110 to finish in the top 20. Who are we talking about? We're talking about the guy who is better than Chase Elliott when it comes to average finish at Watkins Glen. Yes, that's right. We're talking about Eric Jones. Small sample size, but Chase doesn't have a huge sample size either. Three starts at Watkins Glen, three top 10 finishes, two top five finishes for Eric Jones. His average finish is 6.3. His driver rating at Watkins Glen, 104.8. That's good enough for fourth. His numbers at this racetrack are very, very good. But you could be saying to yourself, Phil, no shit. You know, he's driving for Joe Gibbs, but he's not driving for Joe Gibbs anymore, right? He's driving for Richard Petty Motorsports. Get off your high horse. My response to you would say, hey, his first time here, he finished 10th in the 77 car. Now, it wasn't a shitbox, but it definitely wasn't some sort of like, you know, big time show. All right. That was the second car at Furniture Row at the time. So he was able to whip that one into a top 10, I think he could get this car, the 43 car, into the top 20. So you take that success that he's had at Watkins Glen, and then you combine that, you roll it up with what we're looking at right now for 2020, because on road courses, he has been very good. I mean, he's 25th in the standings, but on road courses, he's like a different person. His average finish is 12th out of everyone. It's 15.0. That is very good for someone who's 25th in standing. So what we're seeing here is an opportunity. He's four for four, finishing in the top 20 this year. Great value for you know a guy that maybe is just flying below the radar here, driving that 43 car. 43 car, historically, that team hasn't been great at Watkins Glen, but I really think that he's got something going on. He's cooking something good here with these road courses in 2021. And on top of that, He's hopping in to the Xfinity race on Saturday, so he's getting some valuable race experience. Not that he needs experience per se, but you know it's been a while since they've been here. So I like somebody who's taking the initiative, trying to get in front of that and get a feel for the racetrack because it's been such a long layoff. In addition to the long layoff that we just had for the Olympic break. A lot of good things here that we're seeing for Eric Jones. So I think he's worth that plus 110 top 20 value. Just too good to pass up. Can you do again? Yeah. Can you sound my baseball? Sure. There. Wow. Avoid the clap, Jimmy Dugan. Wow. That's good advice. 
So now we'll get to most people's favorite part of the podcast, their favorite thing about betting on NASCAR, and it's the head-to-head matchups. It's where you just have to pick a driver to beat one other guy, and you cash in. And I've got some great news to report, and that is that parlays are back in DraftKings. It's one of the only sports books that used to allow you to parlay your head-to-head matchups, and they changed their terms of service when they were kind of shaking things out, trying to give us more with the top 20s and the top 5s and things like that. Well, they took the parlays away, and after a lot of complaining uh, that I'm sure a lot of people did, I know I was complaining. They gave me a free bet because I complained so much about it. Happy to report that parlays are back for NASCAR. What a phenomenal piece of news. I mean, it's great that we've got racing again, and just this is the cherry on top. I'm over the moon about it. This is just unbelievable. I really did not think that there was going to be much change there to it, but by God, we're back. So get ready to to cash in here on these picks and, and parlay them if you want to, because I really feel confident about them. These picks that I have this week, I feel really good about, and I really think that the odds are going to vary in the the opposite direction than what you'd want. You'd get better value if you place these picks earlier in the week. I'm just saying, I, I feel like the the odds will be adjusted as the week goes on. So let's talk about our first matchup. It's Eric Almarola minus 110 going off against Chris Buescher, also minus 110. This is a phenomenal matchup from the sportsbook's perspective. In 2019, these two finished right next to each other, 12th and 13th. And then the year before that, 2018, they finished 20th and 22nd. So two years, they've been separated by three spots on the racetrack. Very interesting and makes for a a good matchup here. So we're going to approach this a little bit differently here and you know talk about how close they've been because both have improved from their last five to six races up until their last two races when you're looking at driver rating. Because when you look at the last two races at Watkins Glen for driver rating for Eric Armarola and Chris Buescher, they both have the exact same driver rating, 69.0. That is just kind of a... a wild stat and their average finish is also close when you're looking at you know their full career at Watkins Glen Eric Almarola is 17th compared to everyone on the circuit average finish 21.4 and Chris Busher is 18th 22.2 so they are so close in their matchup here so let's specifically look at a way to kind of separate them Eric Almarola six starts here one top 15 four top 20s. His best finish was the last time we were here, and that was the 12th place finish that he had. In 2021, his road course stats, it's just not been his thing. It's actually been his problem, really. Uh, We know that his struggles this year are well documented on any type of racetrack, but road courses have not been something that he's been good at. 21.0 is his average finish. That's good enough for 19th compared to everyone. And this season, the best he's gotten was 14th at a road course. Looking at Chris Buescher, five starts at Watkins Glen, two top 15s, three top 20s. So at Watkins Glen, again, so closely matched up. His best finish is 11th. So just barely bests Almirola there in that 
stat category. So now we got to look at 2021 for Busher. He separates himself here. His average finish is 10th out of everyone. Remember, Amarol was 19th. 14.9 is his average finish on road courses this year. All four of his finishes have been in the top 20. When we're looking at the last three races at Watkins Glen, Busher has the head-to-head matchup 2-1. to one. And looking at the road courses, four starts this year, Busher has that series as well, 3-1. to one. So you could say, well, Amarola, you know, he's coming off a win. Problem here, for those people that are saying that, is that, yeah, he came up with that win, but he was a victim of the schedule. I mean, that win, that momentum got squashed. Two weeks off, and now you're back here on the third week. I'm not counting that momentum for Amarola, unfortunately. I'm going to go with Busher here in this pick. It's an even match on him, but I would think that on race day that that value is going to change um, not in favor of the people who are looking to bet on Busher. So get him while you can, minus 110. Now, this next matchup I have here is a little bit different because I don't think that these guys are really that close like we saw with the other two. So talking about Chase Briscoe taking on Matt DiBettadetto, both going off at minus 110. Now, to me, there's no way in hell that on race day, this is still a minus 110 piece matchup. It just doesn't make sense. So let's start with Matt Tabetadetto. Five starts at Watkins Glen. His average finish is 25.4. That is disgusting. Just disgusting. He finished sixth last time we were here, though. So maybe you're saying, all right, well, better equipment helps Matty D out a little bit. His driver rating is 55.7 when you're looking at his full five career starts. And it does improve a little bit when you're looking at the last two starts to 61.7. But that includes a sixth-place finish. So 61.7 is more recent races. That is not the story that I'm looking for when I'm trying to bet on somebody. So then you say, all right, well, how has he been in 2021? Well, it's been a rough go for him as well. Four races, one top 10 finish, average finish on road courses this season, 23.3. That's good enough for 25th out of everyone. Then you almost have to take into consideration the fact that He's losing his ride. What is his mentality like? How mentally tough is Matty D? We've seen it in the past where he loses a ride and he goes out and he he does well. I think that that bottled up frustration and and going for it that we saw at Bristol a few years ago, uh, where he almost won that race and got bested by Hamlin right at the you know last few laps there. I think we saw that at New Hampshire, right? Because the news broke before New Hampshire. And then he went out and he was trying to stay out, trying to outlast the the NASCAR officials and everything, trying to get them to throw it due to darkness. He could not make it happen. He ended up finishing 10th. But in any case, that, I feel like, was the shot for Matty D. I don't see it happening at this racetrack because it's a road course. We'll see. Maybe we'll come back to him at Daytona. But let's look at Chase Briscoe here because he has zero cup starts. And he missed the 2020 season here for Xfinity. So only has one Xfinity Series start, but he finished sixth place 2019. So for whatever whatever that's worth to you, that's what he's done here. Very small sample size. So for Chase Briscoe, if you're considering him, uh, you really just have to look at what he's got going on in 2021. Some people think that he's kind of a road course guy from his experience in Xfinity overall. Um, I, I guess I haven't really looked into him that hard, but in 2021, 
four races, he has two sixth-place finishes. 13th in average finish on the circuit, 15.3 is the number. So that right there tells you that he's just so much better than Matty D this season alone. Now, driver rating, we always know, tells a little bit different story. The driver rating on these four road courses this year, Briscoe's got 74.2, and Matty D's driver rating is 70.6. Closer, but Briscoe still has him beat in that category. So there's nothing out there for me to try to direct me to Matty D. I know he's a good guy. I know you could maybe argue that he's scrapping and he's trying to find a new ride. I'm going to go with the guy who's nice and secure, who's good on road courses and has proven it this year. Chase Briscoe, minus 110. Get it while you can because that number is not staying put. And now we can finally get to what I'm saying is the lock of the week. I mean, on paper, it makes sense. This is a tale of two cities right now. I'm telling you. We're talking about Kurt Busch, minus 115, a slight favorite right now, over William Byron, minus 105. I am taking Kurt in this matchup. I'm not going to do the suspense thing with this one. Kurt Busch is my pick for many different reasons here. At Watkins Glen, the experience level, it's not even close. Kurt has been here a million times, and when we're looking at Byron, he's only got two starts on this racetrack. So just that alone is a factor, honestly. I mean, I know that there's some people out there that would say, you know, experience, well, whatever, you know, what are the finishes, you know, how's he performing in that small sample size? But if you're a veteran like Kurt, I mean, it, it almost just kind of comes back to you here anytime you come back to this racetrack. Kurt Busch, 10, in his last 10 starts, three top fives, seven top 10 finishes. His average finish is 10th compared to everyone, 12.4. His drive rating, 94.5. That's sixth compared to everyone. Three straight top 10 finishes at Watkins Glen for Kurt Busch. I never would have guessed that. Like, you could have had a gun to my head. I never would have predicted that that was something that Kurt Busch would have put together. And he's got six top 10s out of his last seven. And the one that he didn't, he finished 11th. So all of that, I mean, you should look into taking Kurt for the top 10 finish. I was actually going to do that, but the odds actually changed to, to make him more of a, a shorter odds pick there. So let's look at Byron. Two starts lifetime. Last time we were here in 2019, he finished 21st. His first ever start, he finished 8th. So, you know, kind of different ends of the spectrum there. But 2021 is what really gets your attention when you're talking about this matchup. And it's the reason why I'm saying this is the lock of the week. Byron has had bad luck on road courses this year. When you're looking at the best 30 drivers, right? I know there's some guys who are starting parks and, and younger guys who are just kind of in some tough equipment. But when you're looking at the top, like, 30 main guys, Byron is dead last when we're talking about average finish, 28.0 in the four races we've had on road courses this year. That is shocking to me. Three races he's finished outside the top 30. Kurt is the absolute opposite. He's fourth in average finish, 10.3. He's got two top fives, three top tens. Now the driver rating, kind of similar to what we saw a second ago with Matty D and Chase Briscoe, um, 74 to 70. So that's trying to tell you, hey, Byron, I mean, Byron's running position on these tracks is 15.8. So it's telling you he's not getting the finishes he deserves. But at the end of the day, when it keeps happening, it's not, you know, the exception. It's the rule. He's dead last 
out of everyone to going up against somebody who's fourth when you're looking at the average of these four races. I mean, four starts is a pretty solid sample size. So it's not like you just had one or two bad starts and finishes. So that really gets my attention. When I saw those stats, I immediately saw Byron at the bottom of the list, and I was like, whoa, how can I try to make some money off of him? Um, Kurt Busch, you know, he, he just hasn't beaten every category here. Now, when you're looking at Byron's standings and his numbers this year, you're like, wow, you know, how is he that bad on road courses? And the sports books are not reflecting how bad he's been on road courses. They're kind of giving him the Hendrick benefit of the doubt, even when the race He's not really much of a, a total long shot here. So I have to assume that's because of the Hendrick love, the fact that he's just kind of gotten some some bad luck. But I'm trying to capitalize on that bad luck. I think it's going to continue. Give me Kurt Busch, minus 115 over William Byron. And then when you look at all these picks that I'm making here, I'm realizing all my guys, they all have last names that start with B. So we'll call it the killer B parlay, I guess. Busher over Almirola. Minus 110. Briscoe, minus 110 over Matty D. And Kurt Busch, minus 115 over William Byron. Lock it in individually and with the parlay. So to close out the episode this week, we're just going to talk about some news and notes that we didn't get a chance to talk about and how it might impact your mentality betting on some of these guys as their roles and their teams change next year, because silly season is already in full effect midsummer. I mean, things have just totally shifted from, you know, where it happens towards the end of the year to all year long. Silly season is happening. So we have to talk about the big news from a few weeks back, and that was the Penske news. That is Brad Keselowski, the worst kept secret ever, leaving to go race for Roush Fenway Racing in the six car. So that set a bunch of dominoes in place. He is driving the six car. Let's talk about Brad first and foremost. My eyes are on Brad. I'm going to resist betting on him for a few races just because I need to see something out of him that says he's still in this. You know, is he too focused on what's going to happen next year? And the fact that he's got ownership in that team next year, moving forward, or is he really going to, you know, put everything that he has into winning a championship? That's what he said in his statement. He loves Team Penske. He loves Roger Penske. He's got to put everything in it to win another championship is what he said. Actions are different than words. We got to be able to pin something to Brad in these four races before the playoffs start for me to start you know, betting heavy on Brad to win races because we're going to get some tracks in the playoffs that Brad's historically pretty good at. And I'm right now nervous to do so because I just think that he might be looking out the window at what's to come down the road. I, I need to see the commitment level before we place the bets. And then let's just dip down to the Xfinity series for a second. So the way it shifted was Austin Sindrick coming up now to fill in Brad's shoes in the two car. A lot of people had thought that he was going to be taking over the 21 car next year. That was originally the plan. But with the news of Kozlowski leaving Penske, they needed to fill that role. And it's a natural fit. Everyone seems to be all about it. I found out, probably people 
smarter than me knew this already, but I found out that Austin's father is like the head of Penske, uh, basically, stepped down from Roger Penske. So a little bit of nepotism going on there, but all the people in NASCAR seem to think that Austin is definitely the person for the job. No nepotism going on there whatsoever. Uh, it's just going to be kind of weird to see that play out, but we'll see. The question here is, if you're betting on Xfinity week to week, is Austin now kind of checked out because he's got his spot. The two car is just like one of the most iconic cars out there. Such a sought-after position. He's got that next year. So is he kind of checked out in his role in the Xfinity series? That's something that Xfinity betters are going to have to get a sense of as well, just like we're talking about Kozlowski. And then to kind of cap that whole conversation off, the 21 car, they kicked out Matty D. I think when all this shit was going down, he thought, okay, well, Matty D's safe because Cindric was supposed to steal his ride. No, they are stealing Harrison Burton and he's filling in. So, there's a different mentality I'd expect for Harrison Burton because a lot of people were complaining, I guess you could say, that he doesn't deserve that ride. Probably some Matty D fans saying that, but uh, people were just shocked by it. So I think you could see Harrison Burton going a little bit of a tear here because he's trying to prove that he deserves that cup start next year in his rookie year, that 21 car for the Wood Brothers. So I'm, I got my eyes on Harrison Burton, kind of the opposite of what we were talking about with the other two. Now, some other news. We saw this week that Trackhouse is signing Ross Chastain. I talked about it a little bit earlier in this episode. He's going to be driving the one car for Trackhouse, joining Daniel Suarez. We talked all about it a few weeks back, how they are absorbing Chip Ganassi Racing and everything that they have to offer, all of their resources and everything. So that includes the one car. And we weren't sure who was going to shake out of that group. Was it Kurt or Ross? But Ross is who they went with. I don't know if I necessarily agree with that, but I think maybe Kurt was the one. I, I would bet that if we had like a behind-the-scenes type video or, or TV show or movie on this, I think Kurt was probably the first domino to fall. I think he's either retiring or he's got something else lined up. Rumor has it, maybe with Toyota and 2311 Racing. We'll see how that shoe drops. But I think when Kurt either said no or turned them down, that's when they went to Ross. I could be wrong. We'll probably never know, but that's my gut. So they end up with Ross. And, you know, I think it's just kind of weight off of his shoulders for the rest of this year. He can go out and he can perform focus on, you know, race by race, get more experience in a cup car on these races. And I would not be afraid to bet on Ross Chastain moving forward. As a matter of fact, we said we liked him this week for the top 10. So that doesn't scare me at all. And with Kurt, he's just a, a grizzled vet. I'm not shook whatsoever the fact that he currently doesn't have a ride. I think that's really on his terms. If he wants a ride, he'll get one. So I'm not too bent out of shape about betting on him as well. Now, the Last guy that I'm going to just mention here is Ryan Newman. He's driving the six car currently, and there was nothing announced. Routes Fenway didn't say a word about him, really, um, essentially kicking him to the curb. Like, just over a year after he almost died in their car, and everyone was so concerned about him, they're really firing him, essentially. So he's a lame duck driver for the rest of 2021, could be retiring. He had said a little while back that he does not want to retire. He wants to keep racing. So he is someone that I am probably going to avoid betting on 
for the foreseeable future until something comes together for him or we know exactly what's going on. If he's ending up retiring, I might be drawn back to Ryan Newman because now this is his last hurrah. But until we know what his plans are, I'm kind of staying away a little bit and and seeing how he performs uh, over these next month or so because lame duck drivers are never really that sure of a thing, uh, no matter who they are. And Newman hasn't really been making us too much money this year, so I'm not drawn to him 100%. So those are the news and notes and kind of how I play that from a mentality standpoint of who to gamble on. Um, And just to kind of cap it off, this week we've got all three series in action, Xfinity and Trucks on Saturday. I took a quick peek at the trucks, saw some head-to-head matchups that I really like. Make sure you jump onto the Instagram account at Full Tank Phil. I always put out uh, truck picks on there, and I'm feeling pretty good just from my first draft of who I'm looking at here. I kind of mark some guys down in my uh, account and then come back to it later just to see if I still like it. But then the Xfinity series, I have not looked at yet, but I will say this this Saturday, I'm going to my first wedding uh, back since COVID happened. So I am historically very good at gambling at weddings. Like when I place bets either before or during the wedding, I've had a lot of success doing that. I don't know what it is. Maybe it's the love in the air. I don't know. But we will be at a wedding on Saturday, and I'm feeling pretty good. So we'll, we'll see who we come out with. If I do put anything down on the Xfinity race, I will also include that on the Insta Stories as well, at Full Tank Phil. So if you want to jump in on that, and you have an opinion of uh, anybody you like for Xfinity and Trucks, just let me know, because I am all ears on that sort of stuff. Love taking anybody that has a hunch or a gut feeling or any reason behind those series and throwing some money down on it. So that'll do it for another episode of the Full Tank with Phil podcast. Thanks for listening. We are thankful we are back. Take a quick look at your phone and just be happy that we've got these bets that we're able to place. Then place them and let's win some money together. Get geared up to go back and do it all over again at the road course next weekend at Indianapolis for the first time ever. Remember, drive fast, take chances, and we will see you next week for that one. Place to go. Hell, no place to go. Hell, no place to go. Hell, no place to go.